Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Phil Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. I got my iPad, my, um, my laptop is uh, doing some funny stuff. It says I need the latest version of Safari. Someone can help me with that after the service, please. I need to take it away with me. So it's basically saying I can't access stuff because I need the latest version of Safari. If you can help me. Ben's not here, is he? Ben, our main man of Apple. I know there's a little bit of con- controversy with the with the other guys but we'll just look just can we be friends and um, just get along well with each other and uh, Father I just thank you for Garth and Jamie traveling from just had a little holiday in London seen the crown jewels and uh, went to the um, the ballet the Nutcracker in the uh, Albert Hall and uh, they went to a lot of magnificent places and uh, they just were able to have a short break, all paid for, by the way, and all paid for by the generosity of uh, Garth's parents. And uh, thank you, their grandmother, who left them an inheritance uh, which was designated for world travel. Amen. Who wants a grandmother to leave them an inheritance for world travel? World travel. And uh, so... That's right. And... So, love the people that, that leave an inheritance. I know there's a bumper sticker, spending all the kids' inheritance with the caravan hooked up, and they're going around Australia for the sixth time, but I plan to leave an inheritance, spiritually, physically, and, uh, and I know you too want to do that because it's a godly principle. Father, we pray for Garth and Jamie leaving England, and uh, I think they're... They're probably in Europe now, the Netherlands, and uh, they're visiting Amsterdam, I should say, Amsterdam, C3 Amsterdam. I'm not sure if Garth is getting to preach there, but he did preach, he did preach in Dubai at a very significant church that is under a lot of pressure from, because his church has gotten so big, because when we were there two years ago, it, it was up to 700, well, it was up to a couple of thousand, but the service we were in, there were 700 people there. They were in the international school we drove just out of the side of the city of uh, Dubai through the desert. I literally mean the desert. We ended up at the International School, magnificent auditorium, and the church was filled of great people, lots of all the generations, lots of young professionals that work in the airline industry because the airport at Dubai is just humongous. It's like a sign and a wonder in itself. And, and so there's a lot of people getting saved, a lot of Muslims getting saved, a lot of people getting saved. And they were rocking. And the, and the man of God that's uh, heading that up is, a, is awesome. I just love him. Ben, Ben, forget his name. Uh, just, a mag, just, a, just an encounter with God. Got delivered out of drugs. Very articulate guy, very smart guy, great storyteller. And uh, he's heading it up in a real humble way. They're connected with the Bethel Church. And so they're under good, um, good management, good accountability principles, systems there. And, uh, but the church grew so big because the government said, no, we don't mind Christians because they've got to do this for uh, the tourism. 
We don't mind you coming in into our fair country as long as you don't drink and don't preach the gospel. You're not allowed to get, to get people saved, but somehow they circumnavigate that. They get people saved. I'm not sure how they do that, but uh, the church grew so big that the government said to the international school, we don't want you to have that church in your, uh, otherwise you'll be deregistered. So that school had to, unfortunately, um, ask them to leave. And uh, so they're under a lot of pressure. Garth got to preach there six, five weeks ago and a magnificent opportunity. Now he's in the, the um, yeah. Let's, yeah, let's pray for Garth and Jamie because yeah. they're, they're on their way to Paris right now. Oh, Paris yeah, first. Yeah, and they yeah. want to make a baby in Paris. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, you know, we yeah. should pray because Jamie's lost two babies now. Yeah. And we want them to have a baby. Who wants them to have a baby? Who yes. thinks having a blessing that they... Now, she had parasites in her belly for Fruit three years from living in Africa. Yeah. And she's just been declared parasite-free. Yeah. So she's going to try and fall pregnant in Paris. Right. But don't tell them I told you. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> so Sounds she romantic. She, she loves the family, the family knowing what's going on. I'm not sure where it happened for our daughters, but I don't think it was in Paris. No, it wasn't. One was in a caravan, maybe another one. Anyway, <laughs> where so anyway it, it was humble beginnings for Julie and Phil. <laughs> so can we pray for them right now? Would you mind if we pray for them that that they would fall pregnant? Yes, Lord. And I wonder if just everybody pray together just yeah, yeah, once. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, you know, that they get a baby and that she keeps it. Yes, Lord. That's the covenant blessing, God. Come on, let's just all pray together. Father God, we pray. Thank In your you, own Lord. prayers. Come on, God. Lord, we pray. Fruitfulness to a womb. The seed. gift of life. Oh God, I pray. We pray for a baby. Garth and Jamie Ball. We pray for it, ask for it. We're knocking on heaven's door for it. And we believe it to be true that you are the giver of life, Lord. We ask for the miracle of life to enter Jamie's womb. And Lord, for that for that to be. And amen means so it, what does it mean? Amen. So be it. So be it. So be it. Amen. Blessing to a thousand generations. Can we can we say amen? Amen. 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 Also, we're praying for uh, Andrew and Jilly. They're ministering at Port Macquarie C3, and um, yes, they, they they're ministering there all January. They're ministering. So we got a lot of good guys uh, away and about, but they're still pressing up against God, ministering on behalf of this house. It's important to keep this house strong. Let's really, let's really make a decision this year. Talking about stewardship, David, did so well. Let's really believe that, that Jesus is our good shepherd. We shall not want, uh, that meaning that we will be able to give, realizing that God is our supply, that, that we, we can believe that he's going to be our supply line and that he's not going to let us perish, that he is Jehovah Jireh, he is our provider. If we put God first, if we seek the kingdom and all his righteousness and give him, Julie and I are up to 30% in our giving, not just 10%. 10% is a good place to start, by the way. For Julie and I, I know for a fact, we're up to 30% a week at every increment of money we get. We give 30% of it to the Lord. The Jews used to do the same 28% thereabouts. They used to give unto the things of God. So, Father, we pray for the stewardship of the church, the 
vision builders. We pray, Father God, that there's, and, and good news, it's DGR. Anything you give, any thousands of dollars, and even a hundred dollars that you give to vision builders, we can give you a tax deductible receipt. So, Father, this year, we're praying for the stewardship plan of our church, that it involves you, that you are our good shepherd, that you will allow us to meet every need that we have as a church to continue our worldwide influence. And the saints say, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap again, please, if you could. Give these guys a hand clap. Well, this message is called, it will be a good year. It will be your best year if you get close to God. And again, the name of this message, this is for the podcast listeners, this. I'm going to go line by line because there's a lot of people not here. They want to hear it on the podcast. So I will go line by line. And it is a great message. You'll love it. Get your Bibles out. Get your uh, notebooks out and track with me. I will get to the story of Ruth and Naomi. I will story tell uh, a great story of Ruth and Naomi Boaz, the kinsman redeemer. And I will get there. I'm, I'm drawing a line in the sand at the start of the year 2019 and saying that we're on a spiritual journey. I am your under-shepherd. Jesus is our shepherd. But the Bible says, I'm an under-shepherd. I look to Jesus, I hear him, what he says. That's why it's crucial that we go away and we hear God afresh for this year. Julie and I go away, we walk the beach and we just ponder and smell the ocean breeze and look at the sunsets and, and, and get up early in the morning, look after the grandkids, look after the grandkids and pray and look after the grandkids and look after the grandkids. No, and, um, but we hear God, we get fresh and alive again in God and we hear God because I believe that church for me, and always has been, the, the, the premise of this, that we're on a spiritual journey, a spiritual journey. I don't know if you, what, if you understand that, but I'll help you understand that through this preach, that, we, that you can claim more ground. Who's into claiming more ground? Who wants a house? Who wants another house? I, I'm into that. I'm into possessing the land. Just, ha just when I got married, I don't know what got into me, I was prepared to live in a caravan, Phil Cairns, in Leppington, Liverpool, Leppington Caravan Park, brand new, it just been built. And I said, Julie, let's just get that caravan off your mum and just live there and we'll do two years, save a deposit like my parents did. They did that in Wales, on the shoreline in Wales, they did two years in a caravan thereabouts and saved a deposit and, and eventually bought their own home here in Australia. I said, that's what we'll do. We'll live in a car. Well, three months went by, and we just couldn't take that anymore. And so I took a wrong turn off to, 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 to work, and I went past, uh, uh, or drove through a nice estate, and, but the, the original homestead was in this estate, and it was an Italian lady. Unfortunately, she was on her last uh, breath in hospital. Uh, the grass was overgrown. The tin roof was, uh, was rusty and, and uh, needed a paint job. It was a big willow tree out the front, and I thought, if I, and there was a big for sale sign out the front of this house, and it was just a tiny little block uh, around this weatherboard house, tin roof, and I said, if I could ever afford a house, it's got to be that one. It looks run down, it's for sale, man, I think, man, I don't know what got into me, but I thought, man, I mean, I know it was only, what, 54,000 or something, 47,000. And, uh, you know, and that doesn't sound like a lot of money now, but back then it was. And I got home to Julie. I said, well, I took a wrong turn today, and I saw her house. And you know what? Let's go have a look at it. Walked through it with the real estate agency. Yeah, we'll take it. 
pulled the checkbook out and uh, gave him a $100 check, but we didn't have $100, but we gave him the check by faith, by faith. We are just operating by faith already, and then we proceeded to sell everything we could get our hands on, including the fancy car I had and everything else will come up short about $800. And my dad said, look, i got $800, take it. And back in those days, the bank was throwing money at you, even despite it was 17% interest, Tim Phillips. I don't know if you remember those days. 17% interest, Bree. Imagine that, 17%. And uh, like $470 a month mortgage. I'm being, being a little bit tongue-in-cheek there. But my wage was $470 a week. But anyway, we're under the pump. We're like gypsies with a mortgage, sweating. Sweating like gypsies with a mortgage, my, my son-in-law. <laughs> sweating like a gypsy with a mortgage. I love that. I just, thank you, Evan. He's not here today. <laughs> <But> <laughs> And uh, Father God, we thank you. I know, and I did the same with this church in the school hall 23 years ago, in the dusty school hall. We used to clean that hall the best we could, but still when we prayed, the dust would rise and people would cough. And I go, no, this is not God's way. We're going to have our own building. We're going to have our own church. We're going to have our own ground. For the sake of my family, your family, this church, and God, you deserve better. We're going to cross the river, and we, we earmarked this, we saw it, and rickety old fence around it, two horses, horses that were eventually dropped dead on the property. It, it, it was a sad sight, this property, but we said, you know what, we can redeem it. We can redeem this place, and we can make it into a God place. We can build a church on it, and we did. And that's what my life and the life of this church has been about taking ground and then then in my own life my soul and and you know I said no I can do better I, I don't need to watch that I don't need to hear that I don't need to mix with that I don't need to have that cutting things off beating my body into submission because God had given me this newfound strength the anointing to beat sin off my life and to deal with temptation and to live a life that was holy unto the Lord amen that's what I found. I found I had strength to purify my life. And so I was on a journey. Now, man, this is, man, I, boy, this is awesome, man. The, the strength and, 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 and the encouragement I'm getting to live a life under the Lord. So that's the message I want to talk about. It's a message that I believe, and a lot of people are saying that 2019 is going to be a good year, and I'll tell you why it's going to be a good year. It's going to be a good year because there's, there's words of God like this. There's, who loves declarations? Declarations. I love this one. I love this one. I decree in 2019, you will accomplish more than you ever thought possible. Progress further than you imagined. Succeed in areas that were hitherto off limits to you. That means until now were off limits to you. May great doors of opportunity that were illegally closed be opened from this moment in Jesus' name. Declaration is the highest form of prayer when we declare. declare that's why I love declaring. I declare a lot. So I just thought, boy, you know, this is all great, what a lot of people are saying and what 2019 means, and I'll get to that. And I thought, well, yeah, I love this stuff. I, I, I believe in it. It's what I believe in. It's my game plan 
through life. So I thought, let's help us right now, here and now, realize how we can best be empowered to, I guess, obtain and possess more of our promised land. Amen? More of our promised land. More of our promised land. Spiritually, physically, there is a promised land. There's more of God's promises, God's will, God's unfolding plans for you, your life, and this church. Who believes that the, 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 the elevation room will one day and needs to be finished? That we will have carpet and air conditioning. I'm claiming that. I believe, I want to believe, and I sincerely believe that we'll have a mezzanine in there. And, and then we'll have a classroom up there teaching the Bible. And there'll be two offices up there. There'll be a green room in the middle. There'll be a staircase that goes up in that corner. And, and I just see this. And then we'll have doors that take you from the foyer and into here. Then we can create a space where we can air condition it. Who wants air conditioning? Who wants air conditioning? You've got to believe. Or you go, no, I'm happy with air conditioning, man. Ah, I'm just happy. No, I'm not. That day yesterday was ridiculous. I don't know about you, but that day was ridiculous. So how we become strong and possess our inheritance. I love this. And I, I, I found this from someone else who's talking about the same thing. And they said about us being anointed, being able to take possession of our best life. He says, authority, meaning I am allowed. All authority has been given unto Jesus. Amen. All and he gives us that authority to take possession and to make ground and to take ground and to occupy and do business. That's what um, Luke chapter 19 says, occupy and do business. I think it's Luke 19, 21, thereabouts, occupy. Who, who's into that sort of talk? Occupy and do business. That's why we like to pray, pray God's will down. That's why we like to take ground. That's like, like we like to beat our body in, into submission. And we like to occupy our bodies on purpose and bring it to health and, and bring it to vitality of health and, and, and bring our family into health, bring our lives, bring our church into health. It's through authority. Second, responsibility. I am expected. Guys, can I just say you? You're on the planet alive, made in the image of God. You are expected to be responsible for the space you occupy, the air that you breathe, the church that you're in, and you are responsible and you are expected to do something wonderful with your life. Is that right? Three, accountability. I am required. We are required to step up to the plate. We've got to be responsible with our life and say, I need to be responsible for my life. I'm sure Bree would be saying, you need to be responsible for your teeth, for your, for your, for your dental hygienic program. I am, I go every six months, I love it. I get clean, I feel like, man, I feel like, man, I love it, man. I'm addicted to it, I'd go more, I'd go every month if I could. Because I just feel, wow, I just feel so good, man. I don't know, I just, I don't know. I'm a bit of a, anyway. <laughs> it's therapeutic. I just love, I, for, the Bible says in Corinthians um, chapter 15, one or two, maybe chap, uh, one Corinthians chapter 15, thereabouts, it says, first the natural, then the spiritual. 
as you apply disciplines to your life personally, then you apply it spiritually to your life. Oh, Jesus, man. So what they say, and we know this to be fact, revelation is necessary for us to possess our inheritance. So it's, that's why the prophetic, remember in Joshua it says, um, if you listen to the prophets in chapter 1, the book of Joshua, it says, if you listen to the prophets, you will have you will have success. Success. We've got to listen to the prophetic. We've got to listen to Pastor Julie and the others here that are prophetic. Free sometimes got a prophetic word. We need to hear that. That can bring us a cutting edge to determine ourselves forward and take possession of whatever we need to take. So revelation builds. Amen. Revelation overcomes the gates of hell. Revelation gives us the keys to the kingdom. I believe, as the prophetic people are saying, it is time to take possession of more ground in Christ Jesus. We've been given such a privilege to live in this hour. And they're saying, now, now is the time. Sometimes we need wisdom and understanding to overcome loss and how to enter into restoration. Let's be honest, some of us have suffered loss. We've gone through tough times, trials and tribulations. We've gone through stuff where we've been, feel like we've been beat down maybe, where we can't get back up. I want to talk about that. It's about understanding sin and yielding to the Holy Spirit like we did last week and allow sanctification, including the untwisting of iniquitous patterns that have confused your path. What is iniquities? They're the things that are passed down through the generations. They're the things that your, unfortunately, your predecessors, your, 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 your family tree had a predisposition towards. Maybe it was gambling. Maybe it was something, something. And now, man, I don't know why. I'm being drawn to Star City for some reason. I want to put some coin in that slot machine. I don't know if I don't even like these things, but... There's iniquities that follow us through even the bloodline. That's why we need the blood of Christ to separate those things because we are, giving, we are given responsibility to own up to those things and to see those things broken off our life. Amen? So iniquitous patterns, what are they? What is besetting me? What is besetting me? So we've got a portion. We've got an inheritance. The word inheritance means a portion. God's given you something to acquire. God's given you a responsibility to, 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 be, uh, to, to lay hold of some, you know, some victory and, and some, something to possess and acquire, lay hold, something to enter into and live in and, and be, be a ruler in and, and take charge of. The word inheritance means my portion. How we steward that space is key to our success in the spirit realm. Okay, Deuteronomy 1.8 and 8.1 says, See, I've set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. This is what we just read through our 30-day Bible reading program, the whole Bible in 30 days, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give to them and their descendants after them. Deuteronomy 8.1. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live, say live, and multiply, 
and go in and possess the land. Say, possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. There's an enemy against our soul. It's the spirit of the age. Man, I think, I have to mention it, but Netflix, man, there's so much stuff on that thing. Man, I could be absolutely consumed with it. Now, healthcare will cover you if you are laying on a lounge for hours on end watching Netflix and you get all jammed up in your body. Oh, you go to the doctor and go, oh, uh, what's the matter with you? Oh, man, I just did a binge of eight hours watching, you know, something, some. Uh, yeah, well, what do you, yeah and I don't know, but my healthcare says I'm covered for that. Your healthcare is covered for binge watching. I don't want to be covered for that. Shame on you if you, if you claim on that. You, shame on you if you walk into a doctor and say, oh, my knees, what, what happened? What, what did you do? I don't know. I watched eight hours just laying there. I was eating my burritos and, uh, you know, I had something over here. I was stretching there, I guess, for my ginger beer. I had my burritos there. I don't, don't, you know, I don't, don't think I did anything. I'm only joking. We must learn how to occupy and possess. In Luke 21, verse 19, we are called to possess our souls. Possess our souls. When we possess the portion that God has set before us, we become whole, we become fulfilled. We have a sense of peace when we, who likes it when they get, man, I know some of them are saying, I need to lose weight in January. So do I, man, I need to lose some weight too. Help me, you know, I'll join with you, man, I'll, Man, uh, you know, and, and, and when we do, you, you can see the people that lose weight, they go, <laughs> now they're strutting around, you know, yeah, lost some weight, you know, five kilos, check it out, <laughs> 10 kilos, look at me, man, I'm ruling and reigning in this body, man, I'm rocking, man, you know, it's not easy to do, but. Kudos to them, but spiritually we need to do the same. We must be a people who settle for nothing less than the abundance the Lord has for us. Every time we enter into a new season of history, that's where we're at right now, the Lord releases a new authority, commissioning new leadership, causes people to desire a new level of His holiness, communicates new strategies for victory, and transfers the power to gain wealth. Why? So that the kingdom of God and His purposes can be established. See, the finances are involved in laying hold of the more of God and possessing the land. We, we need more finances. If we're going to start a church, we've got other places here, Mark. We need more finances, guys. We need a transference of wealth from the wicked to the righteous. Amen? We need, we need vast amounts of finances for the last day's harvest, the end time harvest. A billion people, they're saying. God waited. He gave a promise to Abraham. And, and you know what happened, 430 years in Egypt and, and then 40 years in the wilderness. And God had to wait 470 years before he could get these people to enter in to the promised land. Jules, I honestly believe that this year we can enter in. and We can see a lot of our good people enter in after the wait, after all the waiting. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, 
let us lay aside every weight and the besetting sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You like that, Rachel? Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Faith comes from Jesus. It comes from listening. Faith comes by hearing, by hearing the word of the Lord. What are you saying? What are you saying, Lord? What are you saying? I sent out a text. Um, we sent out two texts. The last one was by mistake. It was my mistake. I didn't communicate right. And it read like this. Jesus is our Prince of Peace. He willingly laid down his life so that we can experience salvation, healing, deliverance, prosperity, security, and victory in every day of our life. Jesus paid this massive price for us to lay hold of the more of the goodness of God in our life. Who believes that? Who desires that? Faith and patience. Hebrews 6.12 says, We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. There is a right time to claim our inheritance. I know that for a fact. It's like a prophetic timeline. It's now. We need to acquire more of the inheritance that God, we need to possess that which God has for us in 2019. Prophetic voices are saying uh, we're about to give birth to a miracle. They believe 2019, meaning the, the number nine, being the biblical number of divine completion, is when the miracle growing and maturing inside you will burst forth when the joy ahead of you becomes greater than the pain behind you. This has got to be for someone. Are you getting this? Is someone living this? Something is being gestated in you. You've received a promise. You've received a word. It's in you. It's, it's, it's a promise. You know, and you just have to be faith, faithful and you have to be patient. Patient meaning persevering. You know, I know there's going to be a mezzanine through there. I know we're going to have air conditioning. I know that this church will be filled. I know Aussies are on the brink of coming unto the Lord. It's in me. I can't shake it. I'm pregnant with it. God has given us promises for our future and for our children's children. Amen. We've got to recognize the timing to acquire that, to own it, possess it, to pass it down. Hebrews 10.36 says, you need to persevere, have patience, so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. Say promise. Last week we talked about the anointing. Who loved the anointing service? Two hours. I rang someone, I said, just got home from church. I said, well, hang on, it's quarter to two. What happened? I said, man, people just didn't want to leave. They're just in the anointing. They're just in the presence. We had prayed for people. The prophetic was flowing and we had words for people. People were loving it. Are you into that? People went, wow, I really did have an encounter with God and I felt anointed. Well, you should have felt because the anointing sets us apart. If you look in the Bible, it's talk, it talks about consecrating us. 
It anoints us for service. Every time Aaron or, or David or Saul or someone was, was called to serve, they were anointed. You can't serve God if you're anointed. No wonder you don't want to serve God if you're not anointed. I'm not surprised. Man, I don't feel like serving today. Why not? Oh, I don't know. I just gave up on the anointing. Just living my natural way. And Man, well, gee whiz, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to be minister in and out of season. You're supposed to do this stuff at home. Allow the ministry to bless you at home. You can't wait till Sunday every time to get anointed. Sets us apart, consecrates us, anoints, empowers us. It's a ritual of release. We're being released into 2019 right now. It's a ceremony of blessing. When you look at the Bible, the anointing is about blessing, protection, and empowerment. Blessing, protection, and empowerment. That's why you need to lay hands on each other. The anointing is a work that helps us cross over the threshold into our calling, but also into our dreams, into our visions. The anointing, you can see that through Joseph's life. The anointing of God's favor changes everything. I just feel so favored. I don't know why it is, but it started when I got married and even before that. I think it's to do with the providence of God, but it's to do with the goodness of God, but it's to do with God showing himself faithful to me and my wife and my family and this church that I am for you. It's the favor of God. I just feel so favored. I feel favored to get the best deals when I go shopping. I know that there is a deal. I mean, I don't want to screw anyone down to the last increment and rob them of their profit. No, that's, that's, that's not good. But you want to get the best deal. You want to feel like you're favored. We need the favor in 2019. The doors to open. The doors to open. Let's declare fresh horizons, new courage. Let's catch the wind of the Spirit. Put the sails up and go into 2019. Who's coming? And go into 2019. Who's coming? It's awesome. Let me give you a quick account of Ruth. Show and tell. I'll let the guys put some photos up as I run through this. The account of Ruth is this wonderful story. Uh, I've never explained it like this. Thank you, Chuck Pierce. He's going to help me explain this story. Here is a woman with no hope. Let me take you to the Bible, the book of, of um, Ruth, and, and let, me, let me explain to you this amazing story. It goes like this. Here was a woman with no hope for any meaningful future. Yet because of her obedience to the covenant, her life was released into the fullness of joy. She was restored beyond anything she could have imagined or hoped for. Story of Ruth has four essential elements. Naomi, Boaz, Ruth, and the city of Bethlehem. Is everyone listening? The story opens with Naomi, whose family had great wealth and inheritance, living in Bethlehem. But famine began to overtake the city in Bethlehem. Not knowing what to do, the whole family left that area, left their, <laughs> left their inheritance behind and went to Moab. The Moabites, Moab. Naomi's two sons married in the new land and later, and later died there. Naomi's husband also died there. Famine, death, desolation, 
caused all hope for inheritance to be lost. Naomi had absolutely nothing left but two daughters-in-law. One of them was Ruth. Naomi's name was meant pleasant. Say pleasant. Had nothing in her heart, but she had nothing in her heart but bitterness. She even declared that she was to be called bitter. The enemy can so assault our lives that the very opposite of what God intends for us becomes our identity. For Naomi, that meant that her pleasantness had turned to bitterness. Yet she remembered that the inheritance her family once had was back in Bethlehem, not in Moab. So she decided to go back. Naomi brought her two daughters-in-law together and told them that she could not promise them a better life in Bethlehem because when she left, it was desolate. One daughter-in-law decided to stay in Moab. God has places of choices for us. Chuck Pierce says, when we get to a key deciding place in our lives, we find a biblical principle at work. God always gives us the opportunity to either go all the way or turn around and go back. You liking this? But Ruth committed to go with Naomi. Ruth 1.16 says, but Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you when you, where, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Verse 17, when you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you from me. Wow. I will. Powerful declarative statement in the Bible when people say, I will. Mary, I will. Be it unto me. I will. Naomi was amazed that this daughter-in-law, Ruth, said, I will. It was a covenant. A covenant. Ruth was committed to fight to by Naomi's side in spite of any enemies or difficulties that might come their way. Most of us really do not fully comprehend the covenant, the understanding of the true power of the covenant relationship she was affecting in that moment that would affect themselves but affect their territory. The covenant relationship we have here affects the territory that we're in here on the Central Coast. Amen? The covenant stirred things in Bethlehem. Two widows entering a city was hardly cause for celebration. Yet the Bible says that when Ruth and Naomi came through the gates of Bethlehem, all the city was excited. Ruth 1.19 says, So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women explained, exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Can this be Naomi? I love this story. When they arrived back in Bethlehem, all that they had was Ruth's covenant with Naomi. That's all they had. And a long-lasting, a long-lost inheritance that was somehow linked to the city of Bethlehem. Ruth served Naomi faithfully. She was a woman of virtue, filled with power because of her commitment. I love that statement. She would glean in the fields. You know the story. Back in those days, they would have big fields and they would harvest the fields. They would leave 
they would leave the, the, the titbits and the leftovers. They would leave it. They would, it was against the law to pick up every last thing. They would leave it and it would be there to be picked up by people who were poor, needy and widows. She would glean in the fields. This is Ruth, which meant that she would come behind the reapers and pick up the leftover grain in order to make the bread that would sustain them from one, for one more day. A plan to secure Ruth's inheritance. Finally, Naomi told Ruth that things had to change. Say this, Lord, things have to change. Lord, things have to change. One day you've got to say that about your health, about your life, about your spiritual life. One day you've got to say, Things have got to change. Oh, I could go on about that. So Naomi decided to seek security for Ruth. Love this mother-in-law. She wanted to secure Ruth's inheritance. She realized that Boaz was a relative and that there was a spiritual law over the area that provided for a relative to bring them back into their inheritance. This Levitical law. She remembered, ah, Suddenly a light went on in Naomi's mind. God established provision for them in the Levitical law, Levitical law that said that they had a right to family inheritance if the relative would become their kinsman redeemer. So Naomi laid out a plan. Again, I love mother-in-laws like this. This is, my, this is like my wife. She's a great mother-in-law to my son-in-laws. Yeah, because this reminds me of you, Jules. So Naomi laid out a plan for Ruth to secure her inheritance. This is what she told her to do. You ready for this? You got five minutes? This is it. This is the, uh, uh, the, uh, the applicable. What is it? This is the stuff that you've got to apply to your life. One, Naomi said to Ruth, wash yourself. Ruth had been gleaning in the field. She was tired and smelled. Naomi knew that they were not going to come into any inheritance with the way Ruth looked. I was at the, yeah, I won't even go there. It's just a horror story. I was in Coles. I was standing there. I was talking to the lady. It was all good. It was pleasing. And this aroma, this bad aroma, just encroached, encroached upon us. And I looked up, and unfortunately, yes, it was a man, ladies. It wasn't a girl, lady. It was a man, and obviously his hygiene program was not working. And it was distracting. It wasn't attracting. It was distracting. Naomi knew that they were not going to come into inheritance with the way Ruth looked. So Ruth brought the water and began to wash herself. Today the Lord is sweeping across the body with a cleansing revelation. We have worked hard, we have toiled in the fields, and God says, stop, wash yourself. Let the word of God flow over you. Take a rest, soak for a little while, and allow the cleansing to refresh and renew. Hebrews 5.25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Verse 26, and make her holy, cleansing her. By the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. But holy and blameless. 
implying sanctifying, cleansing. That's what the Word of God, it cleanses us, it sanctifies us. On the inside, it cleanses our mind, cleanses our heart, cleanses the interior of our spiritual life. The Holy Spirit is compared to water and oil. Both of these have a revitalizing, nourishing, cleansing, purifying, and sanitizing properties. If you only knew what the Word of God is doing on the inside of your soul, you would be drinking the Word of God every morning. You would be taking it in as much as you can, realizing that the Word of God is supernatural to cleanse, to heal, to revitalize. Ah, living water. Ah, give me more. I love standing under waterfalls. Yes. I just love it. I feel already now being four books into the Bible and, and putting myself on this regime of the Word, the Word, the Word for three, four hours a day. I feel, man. Second, you ready? There's only five. Anoint yourself. Anoint means to smear the fragrant oil. Ruth needed a new fragrance for a new season. Ladies, you know what that means, the old perfume, oh, it reminds you of old days. But now I need a new fragrance. Isaiah 61 speaks of the oil of joy that replaces the mourning of your souls. This is also a part of Jubilee. Ruth had not been in the season of joy. Rather, she had been in widowhood. But in order to move into her season of inheritance, she needed a new anointing oil that would emit a pleasant fragrance. As you move into your season of inheritance, allow the Holy Spirit to cover you with a new anointing. Allow the oil of joy to replace the unpleasant odor of mourning in your life. Hebrews 1.9 says, You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has set you high above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. One of the benefits of receiving that anointing, it takes out all the irritation in your soul. Isaiah 61 verse 3 and provide for those in grieve in Zion, but bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. And they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planning of the Lord for the display of His splendor. First uh, point three, put your best garment on. The garment that Ruth had been wearing the field was inappropriate. Of course it was. Remember, Ruth was still in her widow's garment. In order to secure her future, the widowhood was the widowhood that was dressed around her had to come off. The grief that she had been wearing was no good for the next place. It would not draw anyone to her. Just like Joseph again. Ruth needed to put on a new garment to move into her next place. Here is a lesson for us. Take off your grief. We go through hard times. We go through trials and tribulations. We go through that. Everyone does. But when God says it's time to change your garments and remove your grief, don't let any self-pity keep that old garment buttoned up on you. Can someone say amen? Can we draw in the people of the world if we are clothed with grief? No. If we're getting around downbeat and we're saying, come to Jesus. Man, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You sure? Not quite singing that. Our countenance must have a sense of elation of who God is and what He's done for in our life to be believable. God is going to have to put us, put a new garment that will show the world the comfort and encouragement 
that we have received. Just as Ruth and Joseph did, get ready to take off the old garment and put on a whole new mantle. Four, go to the threshing floor. Now, this is, the, this is good. I like this. Threshing floor had a dual purpose in those days. It was there. The wheat and the chaff was separated, but it was also a place of feasting. So here Naomi says, Ruth, I want you to go to the place where the party is being held. As we make ourselves ready, God is preparing a feast for us, and he's preparing us to go to the place where the party is happening, usually at the church. Five, wait for God's timing. Naomi told Ruth not to enter the party right away. She was to stand back and wait until all the fun stopped and then come out of the shadows. God is getting us established in our abiding place so we are ready when the time comes. A bit like David out on the back fields there and all the, these great hunky men who, you know, who Samuel thought, this has got to be the one. No, that's not like that. Got to be the one. Look at this fine. Got to be one. Look at this guy. Six pack. No, got to be one. Look at this guy. Looks like... Got any others? Oh, just this ruddy kid out in the packs, you know, looking after the sheep. You might smell, and he's in the shadows. You're in the shadows. I was in the shadows. God's calling some of us out of the shadows. Then Ruth was to, now here it is. Party's died down. Then Ruth, then Ruth was to go lay down at Boaz's feet. And as she did, there would be a distinct decision made. Imagine what Ruth was thinking at this time, that she was a very virtuous woman, by the way. And now she was told to lay at the feet of a man. This was a true test of submission. God is bringing the body of Christ to his feet. We are to stay there until we receive the best. Just to quickly round it up, Boaz did secure Ruth's inheritance. Boaz woke from his sleep, saw Ruth lying there, then Boaz, a beautiful picture of our kinsman redeemer in the Lord Jesus, asked her who she was. Ruth identified herself as a close relative and asked him to draw her in and cover her. She was basically declaring, I need a redeemer. I'm a widow, disgraced with no inheritance. You can take my shame, my poverty, the bleakness of my future and give me an inheritance. You can totally redeem me if you will. And the story continues. But then it says, Then Boaz stood at the gates of Bethlehem and warred for Ruth before receiving her as her wife. Can I declare, the redemptive plan of God could not be stopped. The seed of inheritance went into Ruth and she conceived a child. That child was brought to Naomi, who was still bitter, yet she began to nourish the child. The grandmother began to nourish the child. A life flow began to pour out of Naomi and nourish that seed of her inheritance. The child produced from Ruth's union with Boaz was Obed, King uh, David's grandfather and a direct ancestor to our Lord Jesus. As such, all generations have been blessed by the restoration of Naomi's inheritance. Ruth's covenant alliance and Boaz's obedience in the gates of Bethlehem. Did I tell you that Boaz means God is my strength? God is our strength to restore us. He has the ability. And if we're in tracking with him and listening prophetically, 
He might ask us to do some strange stuff. That's a strange thing that Ruth did. But God asks us to do strange stuff all the time. So let's just close our eyes for a moment. Father God, I thank you for that story of redemption. Oh God. Jesus, you are a direct line. thousand years later, Jesus was born from that direct redemption story. From that redemption story, a thousand years later, Jesus was born through that, through that lineage. And you're thinking, I'm no good. You're thinking, who am I? Well, Ruth was a Moabite. Their clans, people used to worship false idols and animals and wicked stuff. And God can save. God can redeem. This is a perfect picture of our Jesus redeeming a precious life that deserved salvation. Father, I pray that this year, that this church would help people find redemption in Jesus, the Kingsman Redeemer. You are our Redeemer, redeeming our health, our life, our marriage, our finances. You are our Redeemer, Lord God. So God, I submit to you. Let's all just stand if we could just for a moment. Our time is done. Father in heaven, Father in heaven, Father in heaven, oh God, I, I stand before you now. Lord, I, I, I want to be, be like those ones who sang and rejoiced when they were set free from captivity. I want my countenance to shine victory and glory. I want, Lord God, to shine for you as you have, as you radically redeemed me, as you radically redeemed me. And I was in the prayer room in the office just before we came out, and I remembered this scripture, and it says in Isaiah 35 verse 10, and those that the Lord had rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. I break off all discouragement. I break it off at the start of this year and I loose and release the people of God under the inspiration of my voice right now. I loose them and release them to relieve themselves of the garments of despair. Lord, we, we, we put on the garments of praise. We put on the garments of praise right now. Let's just do that. Let's just do that figuratively in our mind. Lord, we put on the garments of praise. We, we pull off these garments of despair and sadness. And we put on the garments of praise. We wash ourselves in the Word. We anoint ourselves in the sweet fragrance of the anointing of Christ. The anointing comes via Christ. The anointing is from Christ. He is the anointed one. Christos, Christ, the anointed one, gives us the anointing as we make room for Him, as we cleanse our heart, as we cleanse our mind, as we cleanse our life. He fills us and anoints us with fresh anointing oil. Put your hands out like this if you could. Father in heaven, anoint me now. Wash me, cleanse me, wash me in the living Word. 
in 2019. Lord, I, I, I take... Oh, God. Lord, I, I just see myself in a place of being cleansed, washed and purified. I put on a new fragrance of the Lord. The Bible says in Corinthians, we can be a fragrance of death or a fragrance of life. Lord, I want to be a fragrance of life. I don't want to have a fragrance of death. I want the fragrance of life. So anoint me now, Lord. Just ask for that now. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. You've anointed me, Lord God. You've anointed us. You've anointed them. You've anointed me, Lord God. You've anointed us. Fresh oil anointing from head to toe. Yeah. enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.